Welcome to KTP Media Podcast. I am your fearless host, Vic Muscat. I want to start this episode off today with a sincere apology from me. Now, this apology is not based on I got backlash or negotiations for sponsorships when it's threatening to pull out or my wife got on me. None of that. It's because I listened to the last episode and I gave my views about transgender females going to the same bathroom as my daughter and how I would, just, I would pull them out by the hair if that happened because everyone has a bad apple. I apologize for that remark. And I'm apologizing it because I'm a good person. I recognize on my own my mistake. And it wasn't based on that that headline that I shared with you about California allowing transgender people to choose what bathrooms or locker rooms they could be in. It is based on something else I saw earlier that triggered me to say that. And I want to share that bit of footage with you right now. I'm a 40-year-old transgender lesbian. I dare you to try and stop me from going into a women's bathroom. This is a call to action. You need to arm up. Plain and simple. The time to act is now. I do not fear Christians. I do not fear conservatives. I do not fear evangelicals. And I do not fear Republicans. You're going to have action. There are lots of people like me who are not afraid to die. So when I made my remarks about transgender females going to the same bathroom as my daughter, that transgender female that you just heard, that's what, who was in my mind. And I'm just like, wait a second, you got to strong arm me to go in the same bathroom as my daughter? That's not going to happen. The world is losing what is called empathy and respect for one another. If that female came to me and it was respectful or it was respectful online on social media, there'd be a different story. But when I saw that, I saw that clip not too long before I had to record the segment one of the last episode. So that was still fresh in my mind. And when I gave that headline about the transgender being allowed to be in locker room or whatever, I that was still beating at me, and I reacted based on that, not based on the current headline that I was discussing, and that was wrong and unprofessional by me. And I apologize. Once again, this is I'm not apologizing because I was ordered to. I was told to. I was suggested I should. This is based on I listen to my shows after I record them and I felt bad about how that came across. And I apologize. But saying that, I do have questions. My question is, why, when is it 
get to a point where our freedom of speech, well, we feel like is true and facts, and we say facts, when is it enough when people get disrespectful and push back? That, that uh, female said her piece. I responded, said my piece. But I never said that, you know, oh, she's a freak or da-da-da. I never said that. I just said, in general, if you were a transparent female and you, and you did not handle yourself Probably, which that could just be a biological female looking ratty from the streets. Same category. That was going to pull you out by your hair. But when does it get enough when we say our piece and we say facts and data that backs it up? When is that enough when people get just darn, just so disrespectful, nasty, and hateful from the data that's out there? That we're presenting. Or how we feel. It's a point. I've been listening to. A couple of these videos and. Makes me wonder. Do you think I fear people that think they're women or think they're men? Oh, okay. So I should be silenced, not allowed to speak. Is that what you do when people prove you wrong? You kick them off campus? I apologize about that. Let me see if I can go get the audio off of my phone. KTB Media Podcast, where every little thing that can happen and go to hell happens. You think I fear people that think they're women or think they're men? I do think that your rhetoric is transphobic and I think it's harmful to trans people. And I think that you should go off and get off campus. Oh, okay. So I should be silenced, not allowed to speak. Is that what you do when people prove you wrong? You kick them off campus? Um, no, I don't think that there should be any like university sanctioned thing that says Kelly Kirk can't be here. But oh, okay. If they're able to organize against you and kick your ass off campus, that'd be awesome. Oh, okay. You could tell a lot by who's willing to have a conversation. And who's not willing? Usually the people that are the ones protesting and not talking are on the wrong side of history. Yeah, one of my cronies. Yeah. Interesting. It's a good way to describe our wonderful student group here. I wish you the very best that you live a free life. You have the right to be wrong. So, and I'm a piece of sh Okay. Why, why am I a piece of sh Oh, I'm transphobic. Right. Okay. There are only how many genders? Two genders. Thank you for your time. Now, do I agree the approach saying like, there's only two genders, two genders? There's only how many genders are there? Two genders. And for, I don't agree that method at all. I mean, that's, I don't agree the way it's being presented. But the United States of America gives us the freedom of speech. And when we give our opinions on something, we should not be ridiculed and make fun of and call names of when we when someone has 
data to back up the claim. He had data backed up a claim, his claim. But instead of arguing and debating, he was called a piece of shit and he'd get the fuck off cabinet because why? In my opinion, those those college kids, students aren't American because they do not live by American standards, American values. I believe transgender people can do whatever the heck they want. If they want to go for sur- go through surgery and dress like women and men and stuff like that, go ahead because this is America. They have the right to do that. This is what our country was designed for. And having people saying like, oh, you know, you can do this, but oh, if you disagree with it, you're transphobic. That's not how it works. That makes you a piece of shit, not a good person. You have to value everyone's opinion on whatever lifestyle everyone chooses to pursue. And if you can't handle it, walk away. Walk away. Stay off social media. There's some stuff in social media that you cannot avoid. You just cannot get around. For example, the NXT champion last Tuesday night was carried off in the stretcher. Thursday morning, it came. It was reported that it was part of the storyline. Nothing to worry about. This morning, Friday morning, social media outlets came out saying like, oh my God, the NXT champion was carried out on the stretcher. Oh my gosh, Triple H is so disappointed. Let me see if I can, did I take a snapshot of this? I hope I did. And I can give you a, I saw this and I was like, what the fuck is people doing? It was already this story was already bumped. And now you're going around saying, Oh, look at this. Like you too late. You're a dollar short. Day late. Day late in dollar short, to say. Yeah, right here. This is from Wrestling Killer. Wrestling dot killer. This is on Facebook. Top champion champion has suffered a potential serious injury during a WWE taping. And had to be stretchered out. That was literally posted a little over an hour ago. After it already came out saying it was part of the storyline. This is the misinformation people put out there. And that's why when I come across giving data that backs up my support to prove them wrong, people can handle it. Just like that college campus. They can't handle the truth. And the faster that we learn to respect our opinions, whether we agree with it or not, the better. It's all about respect. Respecting each other. But then again, in our society, whites can't respect blacks. Blacks can't respect whites. I mean, we can't, biological, straight people can't respect gay, transgender people. It's just a nasty circle that's going on. 
and it needs to stop because this is tearing us apart in society. And the sooner that is done, the better our lives will be. And I promise you that. Until then, everyone's just going to be fucking dick writers and just suck. Don't be a dick writer. As I mentioned before, doing a little transitioning around here, so my video to my computer is not exactly working to share with, so everything's going to be over my cell phone to do audio. I apologize ahead of time. Like this, this, episode, this episode is becoming the I'm the Vic Muscat I'm sorry episode. Sorry for my comments. Sorry for my remarks. Sorry for the technical difficulty. This is the National I'm Sorry Day for Vic Muscat. I swear to God. So people will use excuses for their mishaps, and that includes bad parenting. I admit. I am not a perfect parent. I could be a lot better. But some parents need to take responsibilities for their fuck-ups. Just like this one case. Listen to this. McDonald's paid a family $800,000 for super hot chicken nuggets. You may remember McDonald's awarded a woman $2.7 million after she spilled hot coffee on herself. But this new case will shock you. A jury found a Florida McDonald's guilty for failing to warn their customers about hot chicken nuggets. The family said the chicken nuggets were so hot they burned their toddler. They went through the drive-thru one day and ordered chicken nuggets for their young child. But when the little girl opened the box, she reportedly burned herself. But McDonald's did warn the family that the chicken nuggets may be hot. McDonald's also didn't provide any instructions to the customer on what they should do if they were served really hot food. The family was awarded $800,000 for the pain and suffering, mental anguish and inconveniences the chicken nuggets brought onto them. This included $400,000 for injuries in the past and another $400,000 for future damages. But what happened next, you won't believe. The family attorneys said the case's results brought the family closure because McDonald's faced the consequences for their wrongdoings. So what did common sense tell you when you go through a fast food place that chances are it could have just gone out of the fryer and you should be careful. You should feel the nuggets before you just hand them over to your kids. That's common sense a good parenting would tell you. But no, this family made a mistake, didn't do that, and instead of saying, oh my God, and make it a, a life lesson to learn, they lawyered up as to McDonald's. And that's what's disgusting with everyone these days. They don't take responsibility for their own actions. We all fuck up. We all do. I I ain't tell you stories about my son that you just shake your head, but that's part of parenting. You make mistakes. I mean, mental a burnt nugget. How could you get mental anguish from a burnt nugget? You burned yourself. My son the other day went to reach over for a cookie that we freshly baked and burned himself. We didn't sue the Pillsbury Doughboy. This is this is the pussification of America, and it's getting worse. And I know some people don't like it when I say America is becoming pussified. It is. 
United States of America is becoming severely pussyfucked. And no one's stepping up going like, especially legal way. If I was a lawyer and I heard that, I would just be like, you have no case. But now, but instead, we have to have lived in a pussy fight society where we have to hold each other's hands and say, like, be careful. This is hot. It's like cars these days. Be careful. You hear the beep. There's a car coming behind you. Look at this. There's a rear view camera. Even though the rear view cameras don't really work, you really have to turn your head. Like, someone like me was talk. But no. We have to take the, the pussy fight society that we live in has to take the easy way out. And when we are given the easy way out and someone's holding our hand and something goes wrong because Americans are becoming dumber and dumber, we cry on social media to get empathy from people. We go to a lawyer. And say, this is wrong. Make it right. And then make it sound like McDonald's is an evil empire. Which is is. I'm not saying that. They serve you shit. However. You laugh at that. Oh, we got one over McDonald's. $800,000. First of all, if my kids was really burnt, it would $800,000 were not covered. It would not. It's, this sounds like a poor ghetto family making a quick buck and McDonald's just most likely because big corporations like this, they'll just write you a check so they don't have to deal with going spending money on lawyers, taking this to court and all that stuff. They'll just write you a check and go away. And that's what it sounds like. Here's a check. Go away. So this ghetto family, uneducated family, but mind you, made a quick buck, thinking that oh we got one over McDonald's, <laughs> which they, yeah, they did, but it just shows how ghetto and piece of trash they are for doing something like this, because common sense isn't installed in them. And without common sense, you're just a bottom feeder in a society. You have to use common sense. Common sense to me every time I go to McDonald's is make sure the food's not hot before I give them my kids. But then again, I'm not ghetto. I'm not a piece of trash. So I don't know the logic. I don't know the thinking. Quick payday for a bunch of for a ghetto family. And that's all it was. And it disgusts me about how our country is that pussyfied to what that happened. Interesting thing I found recently. This is right after when I talked about the NBA catering to LeBron James. And, and people are just eating it up. And no wonder if... Just listen to this. 
NBA was actually the first version of Bud Light. Four of the five lowest-rated NBA finals from the last 30 years have occurred in the past four years. The most-watched NBA game, 1998, Game 6 of the NBA Finals, over 35 million people watched that game. By 2020, 80% of the NBA audience for the NBA Finals was gone. Everybody knows that Bud Light has lost 30% of its audience. I just told you the NBA Finals lost 80% of their audience. A lot of people out there, they want to say, well, the audiences aren't as big for sports as they used to be. That's the truth. The Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Chiefs, most watched football game ever. That data is irrefutable. The NBA embraced woke politics. LeBron James and Adam Silver led the NBA right off the cliff. The NBA was actually. It's true. It's true. And Adam Silver is so far up LeBron's ass, and he runs everything. He's the commissioner. So, of course, LeBron is older. Can't compete in the finals because he injuries, and he gets frustrated. Big ego. So they designed something called the NBA Cup, now they're calling it, and so he can win it. And they devalue the NBA Finals. And just now, you hear that the politics they brought in the NBA is killing the ratings. It's when was the last time I saw an NBA game? I can't remember. I saw a Gatorade League game. That's the farm system. Not too long ago, but NBA, it's stupid. It's like a watching, just like what? Because LeBron cried foul. He cried this, and he cried. He can't win a championship. So they do something for him special. It the NBA is just deteriorating and ripping itself apart. Now, what Bud White did, I still don't see anything wrong with it. But you know, general public says they fucked up. Okay, they fucked up. Whatever. I'm not gonna lose sleep over. But the NBA, after the football NFL season, what's there to watch? Hockey, I guess, right now. Because who wants to see a sport that's run by a player? A player. Political views. A player who cries to a point he gets stuff handed to him. Is when is enough enough? And the NBA is going to keep on digging its hole. And for it to stop, Adam Silver and the NBA needs to learn to drop the shovel. And maybe that's telling LeBron James to fuck off. The same LeBron James. That has this video out there now. I wish I could show this to you, but like I said, my system here is screwy right now. Why going to a USC basketball game to see his son play didn't rise from the national anthem? He just sat there. But no one says anything. My God, it's LeBron James. He can do no wrong. Fuck him. 
fuck LeBron James, period. I don't care how much he's worth. I don't care. His his resume right now is to a point where you have to question each accolade he made, he received. Was it because of his skills or was it from politics? That's not what sports is about. Sports is about skills. It's a game, not politics. And you see what happens when you allow politics into your sport. I know all sports have politics, but when it comes that evident, what happens? People stop caring. Ratings drop. For me, after football season, I'm going to hockey. I have no interest in the NBA. It's sad. I wish I could watch him. I wish I could watch NBA and enjoy it like a sport, and I can't. I just can't. Uh, R.I.P. NBA. Now everyone knows I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And what I'm about to say is not taking shots at anyone, really. This is just to explain how broken the NFL MVP system is. Currently, the MVP favorite is Dak Prescott. He's favored to win the MVP at plus 175, according to Las Vegas today. Now, Grant, I am not going to go say he's not he's not having a career season. I'm not going to say that. I mean, right now, he's throwing for 3,505 yards. That's fourth. 28 touchdowns, first. Interceptions, throwing sixth. That's tied for 69th in the NFL. Quarterback rating overall this season, 74.6. That's his second. This is before the game in Buffalo. But the MVP is determined by The award used to be decided by a panel of 50 sports writers, each to whom who cast one single vote for the MVP. Each voter submits their top five picks for the MVP and top three picks for others' awards with a weighted point system. So MVP's most valuable player. So how do you know that Dak Prescott is the most valuable player. He has impressive stats. Yes, he does. But if you look at those stats, and I brought them up before, well, touchdowns first in the NFL, 28, all right? But he's fourth, second. I mean, wouldn't there be like a lot more? That's like disputed evidence that, yeah, he should be MVP, but the MVP is based on can your team survive without you? That's how they do the MVPs. That's how they they say they're going to do the MVPs for years. And it's become a popularity contest. Not most valuable player. To have an accurate MVP winner 
You must take Dak Prescott, for example, and pull him out for a couple games. Put Cooper Rush in, who's the backup with the quarterback for the Cowboys. You put him in and see how the team does at with him as quarterback. Because if they're still rolling teams out of the water, beating 500 teams and better, that doesn't make Dak Prescott the MVP. Makes him a great player, but not the MVP because the Cowboys would have pretty much survived without him. But instead, they keep him in and they have the Cowboys still win a Super Bowl bound. It was just great for Dallas. It's been a long time for Dallas. That's great. But you cannot have a Super Bowl contending team and an MVP of the NFL. You can have a Super Bowl MVP. That's what guys like Dak Prescott. He goes to the Super Bowl. He wins it. He's Super Bowl MVP. That makes sense. But the NFL MVP, you got to pull him out to see how the team does without him. And if they're doing good still, he's not an MVP. But we would never know because no, they would not pull him out. They wanted to win the Super Bowl. They went both ways. And sometimes both ways makes no sense and tarnishes the system. It's an old school way they, about how they do the MVPs. It's old school. And they did this for other players as well. You've got to pull them out see how valuable they are. Because if you don't, it's just a popularity contest. And that's what the NFL MVP has become, a popularity contest. Not a true MVP, just the most popular kid in high school. The system needs to be fixed. The method, the way it needs to be, it needs to be broken down and rebuilt to find a true NFL MVP. Because whether it's Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott, if they win the MVP, Actually, Brock Purdy was, I would think, was more of an MVP because he did not play for a couple games this year. And the 49ers went on a three-game losing streak. That's a true MVP. Brock Purdy. But Dak, you got to pull him out see how Dallas does. Because if you don't, it's a popularity contest. So I guess at the end of the season, we're going to find out, is the NFL MVP a popularity contest? Or... They go by their standards, and it's a true NFL MVP. As I said before, if you go by what a true MVP is all about, it's Brock Purdy. He should win the NFL MVP the way he's gone with four games left. Dak Prescott, this is a popularity contest. And if you give it to Dak Prescott, as I said before, with RIP NBA, RIP. NFL MVP because the value of winning that champion, winning that award means nothing. Finally, the CM Punk experiment.
for the WWE is becoming a failure. Now, CM Punk made his grand return recently to WWE from AEW, and everyone thought he was going to be the savior of WWE. He was going to bury AEW, which some reports are coming out, and I want to read this out loud to everyone. Dave Meltzer reports Triple H and Tony and Nick Khan, excuse me, had a meeting with Warner Brothers Discovery on Monday to discuss the possibility of buying raw television rights. The sensation that is CM Punk's rival opened a door that seemed closed, and is the possibility that Warner Brothers Discovery would trade AEW for WWE. Inclusive, WWE is scheduling CM Punk for a house show in Los Angeles where WBD exclusive executives will be there. Now, I know everyone's like pounding their chest about CM Punk, but look at look at the numbers. This is all social media hype is becoming about CM Punk. Nothing that's re- reality. First of all, I just want to also point out that I have a source in California that I talked about, you know, Tony Khan. We talked about Tony Khan and AEW, about how you know, streaming numbers is never accounted for when it comes to the ratings you read online. It's like, you know, why isn't Tony Khan doing more streaming? Just like WWE, who has Hulu. Why is he doing more of that? And from what I was told, Tony Khan's contract with Warner Brothers, he has to be exclusive with TBS and TNT. He can't stream his shows elsewhere besides Bleacher Report for pay-per-views. So right now, under this contract with Warner Brothers AEW, AEW's handicapped for showing their true potential of how far they can go. Because everyone keeps on talking about the cable numbers, but no one's talking about streaming numbers. And yeah, you know, if they left Warner Brothers, the cable numbers for them will drop. But, like I said before, it is about streaming. If AEW was that bad, they would not have more popularity on their Spanish audience than a WWE. AEW outlet from, from their Spanish account, they have 18.1 million followers. WWE Espanol, 13.8. Once again, what I've been saying, that the numbers you read online doesn't base on a worldwide view. That proves that AEW is more popular worldwide than WWE. And that's not a knock towards WWE. It just shows that WWE is human. It's not like a machine, the unbeatable machine that they make up themselves up to be. They're manipulating social media to make people believe that they're unbeatable. And according to the Spanish audience, they're not. But I also want to point out another thing. A poll was recently put out. It said, do you watch current wrestling? Now, this is like different categories. This is like, yes, I watched watched the entire episode. None. Just old school. 
mostly clips, articles, and podcasts, or I check results. 50% said mostly clips, articles, and podcasts. 24% was like, yes, I watch the entire episodes weekly. That, that shows about how unreliable the cable ratings are. Because if most of the people are checking out clips on YouTube or social media, they're not exactly watching the full shows, like the full Monday Night Raws or the full Dynamites. But CM Punk returning, I want to go tell you the numbers that it's been producing for Monday Night Raw. I'm going to go as far back as October 30th until this recent episode. October 30th had 1.391 million viewers. I'll just estimate this up. So I'll say 1.4. November 6th, 1.5. November 13th, 1.5. November 20th, 1.4. November 27th, this is CM Punk's first show back on Raw. 1.9. Then the week after, 1.5. September 11th, this past episode, 1.4. So you can tell, you can say, well, Monday Night Football puts an impact on the ratings. I looked at the Monday Night Rains for December 11th to December 3rd. And I noticed that even though December 11th had a double header, Monday Night Football had a 14% decline in viewerships. So right there, the Monday Night Football excuse, it's out the window. Well, Vic, CM Punk had the highest highest amount of viewers during his segment throughout Raw. And that might be the case. But as I mentioned before, WWE does like short little quick fixes. They don't think about long term. Yeah, he had he spiked up the ratings when he was on his had his segment, but after that, the show itself dropped. So CM Punk's impact in the WWE is just overhyped. That's all it is. He's not the sensation as everyone thinks he is. People are thinking are t- discussing about he's going to be. One of the main events for WrestleMania, him and Seth Rollins compared to Roman Reigns and uh, Cody. I think that will be very bad if they, especially if they promote the Royal Rumble, Women's Royal Rumble, as winner of that gets the main event spot at WrestleMania. That will show how biased and sexist the WWE is once again if they did that. Hopefully they don't. But always remember, CM Punk's loyalties towards companies 
isn't always strong as he proved that in one show of AEW not too long ago. I think the grass is so green around the other side. Be my guest. Go ahead. Leave. Main event night four of a buy one, get one free extravaganza and then get released last in the set. When you come back, I'll still be here and that ass kicking will be waiting for you. Once again, next year, this time, if CM Punk is still in the WWE, it's going to give us notice major cracks in the relationship with them. Shawn Michaels brought him in for an NXT deadline. And I'm sure everyone saw the pictures of the 25% empty sections. 25% of that of that event wasn't sold. Still 75% for NXT is still good. I'm not gonna downgrade that. But you saw a huge section that no one had that no one was in. And I know people are gonna say, well that's the hard camera section. Yeah, it might be. It very well might be. But once again, I'm going by what WWE fans blast about AEW. Oh, look at this. AEW is dying. You know, it's just empty seats. If AEW is dying, we think NXT is. They're going to CW Network. That's not as big as the USA Network. They're downgrading. Try to make beat the pound on their chest and like, we're so great. We're number one in CW network. That's like a ninth grader winning a soccer competition or a competition with about sixth graders. It's just not impressive. And the CM Punk experiment, his grand return is fizzling out. And the stats back it up. Victorious BRG is coming up in our second segment of the show. I got to move everything down in my new podcasting area. So we will be right back on KTB Media Podcast. And we are back at KTB Media Podcast with the main event of the evening. First of all, I want to welcome Tyler Santos. He's been a guest on before. Wanted to tag along tonight. Hey, guys. What's up? Que pedo. <laughs> Our guest tonight is the king of Kennedy. He started the revolution not so long ago and has sweet victory against whoever decided to get in his way. He is currently a multi-time champion in many different promotions and recently just started to take over Major League Wrestling. There is only one. He is the victorious. Well, I forgot to hit Brett Ryan. Brett Ryan Goslin. Hell yeah. No, that was a great intro. Honestly, I thought you were like trying to segue me in so I could uh Say say my name myself, but no, that was that was a great intro. I appreciate that. 
if if you look at the uh, previous episodes on YouTube, back here, my I told my wife, hey, you know, we have a lot of people who want to come to the show. I'm going to do more days, you know, mm -hmm. supply and demand. She looked at me. She's like, you move everything down in the basement. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> okay. And this at four o'clock this afternoon. This afternoon, this happened. Yeah. My so, my girlfriend will tell tell me when we move into a bigger space, like all my wrestling stuff goes into one room completely separate from everything else. So I feel you on that one. I just wish it was in the basement, but you know. Eh. Could take over kids one of the kids' rooms. I tried, but that's <laughs> imagine how that go over with them. No, no, no. His and mine, my wife was like, no, they'll be up all night. Yeah. Uh, so Brett, if there's one if you could describe your career using one word, what word that would that be and why? Hmm. Unpredictable. That's that's how I would put it. Uh, I feel that in these, especially in these last couple of years, like I like especially with COVID and everything, like nobody having an idea of what was gonna happen uh during, before, or after COVID it kind of left wrestling up in the air. So that's kind of like one of the unpredictability factors. Um, I would have never guessed when I started what I would have been able to do in my time uh, in wrestling. So for example, like when it was like 2015, the three major companies were WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor. And you couldn't have told me during that time that, hey, this brand new company is going to come along. It's going to pretty much succeed Ring of Honor. It's going to buy out Ring of Honor. Actually, it's going to be the number two promotion in the country, and you're going to do extra work for it a ton of times and perform on their show, uh, AEW Dark. And, how they, and one of those matches is going to be against Matt Hardy. So if you told me that, I would have been like, yeah, okay, so, sounds good. That sounds like a fever dream. The fact that that's happened on top of everything else, like I said, with COVID and just all the amazing matches that I've been able to have in, in my young career, it's been, yeah, unpredictable would definitely be the word to describe it. Why did you decide to get involved in professional wrestling? So, uh, so fun fact about me, I hated wrestling growing up. I had, like, up until about 13 years old, nothing to do with it. Didn't want anything to do with it. And then, so for me, 13 years old was 2011. I got into it when I saw Edge on SmackDown in January of 2011. He was my favorite wrestler at that point. We Same went here. to we went to WrestleMania. He retired. I was a big fan of Christian. That was my first time liking a bad guy. And then the first time I ever watched Monday Night Raw, which was like a couple months after. CM Punk was sitting in the ring in his famous pose with the spotlight right down on him. I was like, this guy's cool. So CM Punk was my guy for Raw, and Christian was my guy for SmackDown, and those were my guys. And I was like, you know what? At WrestleMania 27, I watched Edge versus Alberto Del Rio, and I go, I'm going to be a professional wrestler one day. Fast forward. 2013, I get cut from my high school hockey team. I'm like, I'm going to pursue wrestling. So I found a training school, and it took me about two years before I was even ready to uh, get in the ring. Tell us about your first match. Oh, it's atrocious. <laughs> um, it's me under a mask 
playing a convict. Um, on top of it, I did not know I was going to be wrestling that night. I was wrestling against this like really weird uh, Three Stooges team where they just did Three Stooges gimmicks the entire time. And on top of this, because I had no idea I was wrestling that night, the only shoes I wore were my Sperry's. So what convict wears Sperry's, which are like the boat shoes? Mm -hmm. So I put a bunch of tape on my Sperry's to cover up that they they were like these like nice boat shoes and I wrestled in those for my first ever match. It was it was something and on top of it that stuff got around my high school and I went to an all guys high school which if you, I'm sure you guys are aware guys tend to bust each other's balls all the time so I heard about it for a long time. Well, I get you ready for wrestling in the men's locker room. They start busting your balls. You're just oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, okay. it's just it's interesting when you're just when you're in the high school setting because it's it's a very like it's not done. Nobody like pursues professional wrestling when they're in high school. So, sure, some do, and some have those stories. But like, I'm one of the few in that instance where they can be like, yeah, instead of playing hockey in high school, I decided to put on tights and fight people. So what promotions are you currently working for? So obviously you mentioned Major League Wrestling. That's one. Uh, Limitless Wrestling, as well as uh, Let's Wrestle, which is their sister company. And then you have Beyond Wrestling and their like subsidiary, which is Wrestling Open. Uh, you have uh, NFW in New Jersey. I'm trying to think of where else. I'm going to feel really bad. Uh, Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling out in Western Mass area. Uh, Northeast Wrestling out in Connecticut. And then Pro Wrestling Super Show in Brockton, Massachusetts. As well as Live Pro Wrestling, which is in the South Shore, Massachusetts area. And you're wrestling in... Uh... N-E-W, right? Yes. Yes, I I'm I am the N-E-W live champion right now. I'm literally looking at the belt right in front of me. Nice. I mean, it looks shiny, doesn't it? It's a nice, it's a very nice title, honestly, to hold a title that uh, Carmelo Hayes uh, held. He was the first ever champion uh, to be able to hold that belt. I mean, to be a part of a little bit of history, that's pretty cool. Also, you defeated Casey Navarro for that championship, who's not a chump. He's a no. Chump. Casey's very talented. Uh, the fact that I was able to come away with a sweet victory that night, uh, it was a very gratifying feeling. So what's your primary finishing maneuver, and why is it your finisher of choice? Well, I call my finisher the uh, key to victory, which... Uh, when you look at it, it is Christian's kill switch, but it is so instead I just jump with it. That's the only uh, difference between mine and Christian's. Now, the reason I did that was a funny story. Um, Juice Robinson beat me with that move. So the day that he was supposed to that he he said that he was going to retire on a certain day and I was wrestling that night and I was like, you know what? I'm going to hit hit the kill switch just to be funny and then he didn't retire and then he stopped using the move so i was like you know what i'm gonna stick with that move because i wasn't really a big fan of my finishing move at that point 
So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep it. Screw it. All the wrestlers you mentioned were your favorite watching on TV. Which wrestler of the, out of them or a different wrestler influenced your style in the ring? So my so my influence for how I wrestle is more so based to like the old school wrestlers of the 80s and <laughs> 90s. I love using like moves like I use the spear, I use the diving elbow drop because Macho Man Randy Savage is one of my favorites. Uh, so is Roddy Roddy Piper. So I use a sleeper hold. Um, I try to take a different move from each one of my favorite wrestlers over time. The only one that I really don't do is anything from CM Punk, but <laughs> I like to say that I have the same attitude as him in the ring when it comes to that. So for me, I like to base a lot of my style around like the old school, like Southern style wrestling. I love watching like older matches from the, the 80s and 90s and try and pick out things that are very unique that aren't done anymore in order to make my style stand out from others. What is your favorite match in your career and why? Favorite match in my career is definitely against Juice Robinson uh, at Northeast Wrestling when the Hardys returned against uh, Enzo and Cass. Mm. So that match is very pivotal to me because at that point in my career, I wasn't as confident in myself. And I felt I needed a, like a true test to really tell me where I'm at in wrestling. So I'm going to peek behind the curtain a little bit to this because there's a certain, um, there's a few things that were said that, you know, it like, you know, breaks, uh, breaks the fourth wall a little bit. But when it came to Juice Robinson going into the pin on me uh, at the end of the match, he goes, great job, kid. And then after, he proceeded to tell me for about 10 minutes straight about how how much fun he had, what a great match it was, and what a great wrestler I was. That match right there is the match that gave me a whole new set of confidence moving forward in my career. That was last year. And I like to say that since that match, I have, uh, I have achieved many accomplishments, such as ma uh, major wrestling titles and major companies as well as uh, debuting for Major League Wrestling. And I feel that had my confidence not been boosted from that match, I'm not saying that it wouldn't have happened, but at the same time, I feel it could have taken a little bit longer than it did. Which, in your, in your grand resume so far in professional wrestling, what do you think are some of your key victories? Well, we mentioned one of them earlier when I beat Casey Navarro for the NEW Live Championship. Uh, winning the Let's Wrestle Championship from Matt Daniels at Limitless Wrestling was also another big thing for me. So for those who don't know, Let's Wrestle was established back in 2018. It's the sister company to Limitless, but the Let's Wrestle Championship, their main championship, is defended on Limitless uh, occasionally. So for me... Let's Wrestle was a company that, like, I started when they started. Like, I was on the first show. I was one of the first people ever announced. It's a company that I hold near and dear to me, especially because I spent a lot of my early career up in Maine. So to win that championship after five years against someone that I knew very well in Matt Daniels, and on top of that, uh, I got to share that moment with John Alba, 
who, for those who know who he is, he's the co-host of Matt Hardy's podcast, as well as an award-winning journalist. Mm-hmm. It is a one of the most full circle moments that I really could have had because Mac Daniels used to be my partner as well as Channing Thomas and John Alba used to be our manager. So the fact that I got to come full circle, not only beat my former tag team partner, but have my friend that I have known for years at this point be there to celebrate it with me. It was a really cool moment. So what champions, you hold multiple titles right now. What title have you hold right now? So I just lost the NFW Heavyweight Championship to Ryan Clancy in a no-holds-barred match. He's still um, cheated. What's that? He's still oh. cheated. <laughs> I wouldn't say he cheated. In all honesty, you know, in that area, he had the hometown crowd behind him, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to take that away from him. The hometown crowd, as somebody who has <laughs> felt the wrath of the hometown crowd before, not only in wrestling but in hockey, it can be a bit of a mindfuck. So when you're sitting there and you have everybody just loud and boisterously yelling, Ryan, uh, Clancy, Clancy, it, it can throw you off a little bit. And he got the better of me that night, and I'm not going to take that away from him, but God knows it may not be the same case the next time around. So I just uh, – so two days later, I ended up winning the live pro wrestling heavyweight championship from Bobby Orlando. I currently hold the Let's Wrestle Championship. No matter what Eric Johnson says, I am still champion no matter what he says. And I still hold the uh, Northeast Wrestling uh, Live Championship as well. So how was it uh, transitioning from hockey to wrestling? How did that go? So (laughs) it was interesting because they're two completely separate things. In hockey, you're taught never to fall. In wrestling, you're taught how to brace the impact of falling. There's a lot of different things that you have to pretty much tell your mind, like, hey, you're used to doing this, yeah, do the exact opposite now. So for hockey, it was just always, like, it was always a team effort. In wrestling, you tend to learn that a lot of people can be a little bit selfish. Like, when it comes to a show, yeah, it's a team effort but when it comes to you and your own personal career you kind of have to be selfish and not worry about everybody else in order to succeed it may sound harsh but unfortunately that is the case right now Mm-hmm. because like everyone's like looking out for them each other but then again exactly. like certain people are like companies like work together like try to deliver the best show they can absolutely yeah. tell us about the birth of victorium victorium okay so that's that's funny. Um, that wasn't that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, that was just a random team that got put together one day uh, for a ten man tag against a bunch of other guys on the other side. Uh, I believe it was like Miracle Generation and uh, Battle Academy. We were <laughs> we were so in sync that day. And we were just having so much fun that the moment that we walked behind the curtain, uh, Michael Lombardi just goes, that was, that was insanely entertaining. Do you guys want to be a group? And we're like, yes, absolutely. And he told us, great, go upstairs, got a promo right now. Did it. And that's how it was born. And then Jay Haru kind of uh, didn't pull his weight, so we had to kick him out. And it's 
tough shit for him. But but it's like kind of it's like same way the four horsemen were originally uh, formed. It was it's just natural. It's just a natural thing. It's just like I'm friends with all those guys. So the fact that like I'm with my friends and then we're just vibing off of each other it makes it makes the the whole entertainment aspect so much easier. I had Lucas Chase on the show before, and I asked him. I said that you know, you know, Victoria, Victor, you know, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, come on, yeah. guys. <laughs> he was the enforcer. You were the one to talk to about that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Lucas is a badass in the ring. He hits hard. He knows what the hell he's doing. So absolutely, I'm gonna have him watch my back no matter what. I mean, Casey Navarro tried to cheat, and Lucas made sure that didn't happen. That's why I walked away victorious. But how about a small time podcaster? You know, Victorium. I mean, not, hey, not- I can get, I can give you a T-shirt. We can. Okay. I'll give you a T-shirt for free. Okay. I can do that oh, for okay. you. Okay, I'll, I'll take yeah. your T-shirt too. No, yeah. don't, don't forget about him. That's his, this is his first night here. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> No, I might take you up on that offer, but but I'll be fair. I don't have to go to one of your shows. Absolutely. All right, that's that a fair good. deal. There you go. So I was just see one too. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to fly up to the northeast area, man. I mean, it'll probably be worth it. I can go up there during like Mania week. There you go. There you go. It's still gonna be it's still gonna be a bit of a drive to get up to New England, even from uh Philly. It's gonna be. A, it's about four and a half. Philly's about a four and a half hours from where I live in Rhode Island, which is like middle of southern New England. So yeah, yeah. it's a little drive. I mean, I like driving too. There so you go. It'd be worth it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we can go to a show together. You can crash at my place. Hey, it's it's all planned now. <laughs> you just have to deal with a four and a two year old. That's all. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Right. That's great. <laughs> that's great. <Oof. laughs> So, in your opinion, Brett, what's the most painful maneuver to get hit with in the ring? A chair. <laughs> I mean, you made it wrong. Uh, a chair. A chair is probably the uh, the worst. Uh, some people can be heavy handed on chops. That can always suck. I will say the one move that uh that got me good was when Brian Malonis of. Uh, Former Ring of Honor star Brian Malonis uh, hit me with a whoopee cushion. Whew. That got me good. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Still managed to kick out. Don't know how. Had a, a lot of adrenaline running through my system that day. But Jesus, that was uh, that was brutal. Dude, that's a big dude. I mean, he breathes exactly. on Exactly. Knocks the wind out of you. <laughs> exactly. So what's the uh, worst injury so far you've experienced in a ring? A uh, broken nose. Like, that was that was uh, pretty brutal. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so here's a little bit of the history behind it. And it's all, it, it turns out to be – it's going to start off a little bit morbid, but it's going to turn into a funny story. So uh, so my – right? It's so like six months before um, I broke my nose, my dad had passed away. And so my my dad had a crooked nose from when he broke it in like college or something. So I break my nose in the middle of a match and I just go straight to the hospital. I'm in bright purple tights. 
Now, the key thing about this hospital is that my mom also works at that hospital. So my mom walks down to the emergency room to see her son's nose broken. He's in bright purple tights. And all of her coworkers are asking, this is your son? This yeah. is your son? And my mom looks at me. She sees my nose all crooked and goes, huh, you look like your father now. And I was like, yeah, god damn. But yeah, that is, that is, uh, you know, it, it's probably my worst injury ever. Besides, like, maybe, like, a concussion or two. But uh, it's a, I always find that to be, like, a, is always a funny story with it. Try to make the most out of every situation, in all honesty. Try to be optimistic and have some fun. Side question, real fast. What happened in Northeast Wrestling? Because they were doing so well in the beginning of the year, then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. it's just, like, you hear nothing. So, right now, the NEW Arena is under um, renovations right now. So, it's been tough to book um saw book shows obviously so i take it as michael lombardi is just taking his time to regroup come back with a better plan next year but don't quote me on that that is from the conversations that i've had with him so what would be some so what would be some advice you give to like young and up and comers that are like starting out in the business like stay myself. humble stay humble I, uh, even if you're like two, three, four years in, you're still paying your dues and build the ring, go and do ring crew. Uh, somebody told me the other day, uh, his name's Hammer Tunis. He's a wrestler up here in New England. And he's also uh, the promoter for Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling. And he goes, BRG, you were a show up, help out and get booked guy. And that's very accurate. I would show up. Uh, set up the ring, help out with whatever I could, and if an opportunity opened up, they would offer it to me, and I tried to knock it out of the park as, as best as I could. And if I did that, then I continued to get a spot on the show. And nine times out of ten, that, that happened. So, perfect example, like that's how I got my start in Northeast Wrestling. That's how I got my start in Beyond Wrestling. That's how I got my start in Pioneer Valley, and a bunch of other places around here in New England. In your opinion, what are the important traits do you need to be good at your job? You need to be able to to have that entertainment aspect to you. For me, and this, and here's the thing. With me, that's like a flavor of ice cream because that's what works for me. It may not work for everybody else. Like There's a, there's a lot of different styles of wrestling, and there's a lot of different uh, personas in wrestling that are very different from one another. They're all doing the right thing. So when I say this, it's just, just coming from my opinion and my opinion alone. I believe that the ones that go on to main event WrestleMania, that go on to be the main event for any promotion, are always the ones that have that certain entertainment factor. The one that can keep the audience invested the entire time. The one that has a well-fleshed-out character that everybody can be focused on and relate to, in a sense. That's why Stone Cold was so relatable. It was funny. I was making this joke to my boss yesterday. No. I was like, Stone Cold was so popular with people because everybody could relate to him. He's the guy that wanted to kick his boss's ass. And he's the guy that did it, which is why everyone cheered for him. Because everyone nobody loved... likes their boss. <laughs> exactly. Well, I like my boss. I will say that. My boss has been nothing but awesome for me. But <laughs> nine times out of ten. 
everybody hates their boss. <laughs> uh, true, so, that is true. <laughs> so what do you wish everyone understood about your job? What's that? I'm sorry? What do you wish that like an average fan on TV watching you, what do you think that you wish the fans understood about being a wrestler? That it's it's not it's not for everybody. Like that there's a lot of people like there there's this idea in wrestling like Uh, yes. Uh, Brett, uh, your no. sound went out. Your sound went out, Brett. You might, you might. Sound went out. Your sound went out. out. Mate. Can't hear you. Sound <laughs> went out, amigo. I, I just put the setup downstairs. I'm saying to myself, "All right, my system's falling apart here." Okay, I'm just gonna hope it kicks back in. I. Can you hear me now? I yeah, hear we you can now. hear you. Yes. Yeah. So, I don't know what happened with my my headphones, but okay. So what was the last Techno- thing? technology? Isn't it technology great? It's fantastic. AirPods are terrible. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, they're hit or miss. These are old ones, so I'll chuck it up to that. So, what was the last thing you guys heard from me? We missed out a good portion of it. Okay. So, what was the um, what was the remind me of the question again, and I'll keep going. Like, what do you wish that uh, wrestling fans understood about being a wrestler? Okay, so you guys heard the part where I said that it's like it's not for everybody, right? I heard yeah. that. Okay. What, after that, so you cut out. When I say that, I mean like it's not me saying like n- like not everybody should enjoy wrestling. Everyone should enjoy wrestling. Everybody love like there's a spot in wrestling for everyone, whether it's a do like podcasting, commentary, ring announcing, stuff like that, but not everybody can be a wrestler there are some folks that come in and i've seen it with a very delusional mindset on how things are going to go for them in the professional wrestling world and they get depressed and they get upset because things aren't going the exact way that they wanted to and a lot of people need to be a little bit more self-aware on where they are at and if wrestling can be something that they can do like for example, I remember this one open house that one of my schools did and the guy's like, I really want to do this. And the guy never showed up again, ever. And it's like, you have to have that that passion behind you that if you're going to pursue this, it's not only it's not only showing up the training, it's working on your promos outside of wrestling training. It is going to the gym as much as you can in order to stay in good shape. If you're lacking two of the three, you're going to be put at a very big disadvantage. What made it, what motivates you to keep going? Uh, Jesus, my family. My family, my girlfriend, my future family that I plan to have. Like This is the life that I want. I want to be a professional wrestler for the rest of my life. And don't get me wrong. I love my job. I'm very happy to have the job that I have. 
But at the same time, I know that I'm like on the cusp of doing a lot of great things. I mean, I just started with major league wrestling. I have been able to do some cool things, but it's still in its infancy. So I'm excited to see where the next couple of years take me there because it's going to be a lot of fun just based off the little things that I've done so far. And then from there, I just, the sky's the limit on where I could go, what I could do, what I could accomplish in wrestling. And as long as I make a healthy living to where I can support my family, be able to, you know, take care of my mom later on in life, then I'm going to be happy. How often do you travel, travel for wrestling? Like every weekly? Weekend. Every weekend. It's, it's brutal because there's like days where like my college buddies will be like, Hey, we're going to get together. And like, they're, they live in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. like there's weekends where I'm like, yeah, I want to go take a trip down to New Jersey, but Oh wait, I have to be in Massachusetts on Friday, main main on Saturday and then back to Massachusetts on, um, on Sunday. Sunday. And there's times where like, I remember this is the craziest uh, loop I've done where it was like, New York, Maine, Pennsylvania in one weekend. And it's just, you just got to keep going and you just got to keep driving and just make sure that you're getting your name out there as much as you can. It's brutal. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, but I managed to fit wrestling around it when I get to go see my friends. If you could have a dream match against anybody, past or present, who would you want to wrestle? So this one's going to be definitely unattainable. Um, but I hope in another life I can, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, <laughs> that is like my ultimate goal. Uh, that w- that's obviously is never going to happen here on planet earth, but hopefully in another lifetime that could happen, uh, for me, uh, right now, as of people that I want to work right now that are currently living, CM Punk is the number one. Wait. Who would work? And that's okay. in AEW right now, like the uh, your dream match there. Oh, for AEW. So like I've gotten to work uh, like a couple people from AEW. Like I got to work the acclaimed a couple times. I got to yeah, I seen your uh, rap Max. battle. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty funny. <laughs> Max is uh, Max is a very good guy. He's another one that's really uh, helped boost my confidence in the last couple of years. Um, for AEW, if there's anybody really sticks out. Ricky Starks. I'd say Ricky Starks. That's definitely one that I'd like to knock off the list. And that's pretty good. Maybe Would you like... Oh, Jay White. I think... FTR. That's the big one. I love FTR. I love their style. I love... I love watching old Midnight Express matches. I love watching old Midnight Rockers matches. I love watching old Midnight Express... Uh, sorry, Rock, uh, Rock and Roll Express matches. There's so much fun. I love the old Southern style tag team wrestling. It's one of my favorite things to watch. Uh, not saying the Midnight Rockers are that, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite styles of wrestling to watch. Is like the old Southern stuff. Yeah, I said actually uh, last week actually, and I was looking. Everyone looked at me like I had a third eye. When it comes to best tag team division in professional wrestling, I just said it. Nothing beat. The old Jim Crockett NWA days. Yeah. For example, when the Road Warriors come out, you hear that the beginning of Iron Man, and you knew, and they didn't have any big screens or special mm-hmm. lights or anything, but it's just excitement you got 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like when you look, so Undertaker recently uh, gave his Mount Rushmore of tag teams. And I forget the fourth team, but the, the top three were the, uh, the Road Warriors, Rock and Roll Express, and Midnight Express. There you go. I mean, like Southern style tag team wrestling. Oh, fourth team was the Brain Busters, who were primarily in Jim Crockett promotions, but you know you had them in in WWF as well. Honestly, though, WWF back in the eighties had some really good tag teams. The Heart Foundation, like honestly, Killer Bees were a little bit underrated. In all honesty, uh, and the Rockers. Oh, we said that the same thing. The Busters were there. Like, there's so many good teams. That like because tag team wrestling wasn't like a big thing for them, it kind of got overlooked, and you kind of mm-hmm. focused on who was going to be the breakout star of the team instead of wow, this is a great team. Do you feel tag team wrestling today though is watered down compared to those old days? I think, I think right now, when it comes to wrestling as a whole and specifically tag team wrestling there's so much variety in how you can create a very compelling match now personally i think that the guys that do it so the best example recently would be ftr versus jay white and juice robinson that match is incredible for how so the one of the major complaints you hear about independent wrestling is the quote unquote the heat is too long because it's that middle point in the match where the heel takes over and a lot of them just like just keep beating the guy up and providing no substance behind everything that's going around in a tag match uh, there's a lot of build to that to that big hot tag in that FTR and Bullet Club Gold match, you see this extremely long buildup to a hot tag, but everything's con- sit continuously moving so that it's entertaining the entire time. And that is what I love about FTR is that they take that old school style of wrestling and present it in a modern format, but keep the structure the exact same and make it extremely compelling what's your opinion about the online bickering you know if you have people saying like wwe sucks aew is better and wwe fans going aew is going broke and and both of them spitting out facts they're saying is true which aren't true what do you what's your opinion about that shit shut up and enjoy wrestling thank you getting lost in the internet drama because you know what when people enjoyed wrestling it was in it was before the internet and people really stopped just complaining online if people stopped complaining online all the time it would make wrestling 10 times more fun i hate going on twitter if i didn't need it for wrestling it would be deleted it would just be completely deleted off my phone because it's so toxic it's like if you claim to love this thing so much why do you con- continuously bash something and try to take a side on one thing? Now, granted, like I, I'm, I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan. I talk a lot of smack to all the Boston Bruins fans. 
but I never once will say, oh my God, I hope the Bruins, like, I hope their franchise just gets completely erased from the NHL. I hope it goes away forever. A lot of these wrestling fans, like, want one company to go away over the other. And I don't understand that. More wrestling for more people makes wrestling a lot more fun. Now, do I think the market's a little oversaturated? Absolutely. But at the same time, just enjoy fucking wrestling and stop complaining so much. That's the one part about wrestling fans that I'll never understand. And that's why there's such a disconnect between wrestlers and fans right now, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just like you say something, you mention like, you mentioned about like, for example, CM Punk, everyone thinks is spiking up the ratings of Raw. And I would just present like, you know, he did one great night when he came back and then his ratings trickled down. Mm-hmm. And of course, right away, everyone, without explanations, went, oh, AWE fan, hurt your feelings, da, da, da. It's like, no, it's just, this is what the ratings are. He's not breaking two million. He's not, but then again, I shouldn't be buying into the bullshit. And... But that's the thing. Well, it's like, I'll, I'll go ahead, Tyler. I don't, didn't mean to cut oh, you off. Because, like, I heard, like, found out that, like, they were, like, competing with, like, two NFL favorite games, like, teams that were going up, like, in the playoffs or whatever. I don't uh, watch football. I did look that up. I did compare the Monday night because right away people said Monday night football. And compared to this weekend, this Monday games compared to last Monday's, 14% decline in the ratings of Monday Night Football. <coughs> so it's like right there, it's like you did better ratings on Raw than week weekend week before when NFL football had that 14%. I mean, this this makes no sense. And that's why I think I that's my downfall. I try to like shake sense of people. And it's like some people you just can't reach out to. And here here's the main thing. When it like the main reason there was that big spike is because everybody wanted to hear what CM Punk had to say. It's yeah. first time in Raw in 10 years. As you hear that, like, yeah, there's going to be a gradual little bit of a decline. It's how TV works. In general, it's like people like complain about the ratings nowadays, and I feel like half of them don't realize that like we are in a streaming age right now, and a lot of things are different now. But people Thank you. Who's watching at this time, but like people like People compare it to like the nineties and the nineties we didn't have we didn't even have DVR. Yeah. You yeah. could tape record, sure, but you didn't have DVR and just save it on your cable box. Like you didn't have that option. Mm-hmm. So of course everyone tuned in the day it happened. Like I used to tune in to to Survivor every week because there was no way of recording it at that time. I used to tune into Big Brother every single week at eight o'clock. Like those were the shows that I watched all the time. And they were on a weekly basis. Like we had our shows that we watched every day in my house. Now it's like, okay, like even when DVR got introduced, I'd always just record it and just watch it in my own free time. People tend to forget that because there's a lot of, because people like notice the one individual of like who's watching that day, but they don't account for the fact that there's three other uh, things that they measure on the Nielsen rating now. And they don't take those things into account whatsoever. I I did media studies in college, so this is why I like know a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I hate I hate when people bash on the ratings. Just wait until like a week later when those ratings come out. You'll see a big difference. 
Yep, exactly. BRG is becoming one more and more my favorite wrestler because I've been saying that for the longest time. The cable reigns is just part of the equation. It didn't include streaming. It didn't include the only countries it really includes is the U.S. and U.K. It mm -hmm. doesn't include any other country. So it's not a worldwide perspective. And why is AEW selling out like all in events when they're supposedly doing that bad in the ratings? It doesn't make sense. So, and on top of it, the Nielsen rating system is actually a little bit outdated. That was yep. one of the topics of conversation in my final year at, in college, was what do you think could be a different approach for the Nielsen ratings? There's a, they we're relying on an old system that worked for us back in the day to provide us with modern day numbers, and it's failing. I'll be, it, that's my opinion on it. It's failing. And the sad part is people still eat up the bullshit. I mean, you can't fix stupid. Yes. That's wrestling fans. Hey, good point. So where do you see yourself in five years from now? Hopefully signed to a major company, such as TNA, AEW, WWE, or who knows, there may be another company that comes around that's offering major con contracts. Major League Wrestling is not... I thought Major League Wrestling is a big deal. It is a big deal. Absolutely. 100%. I'm not saying not. But in five years, like, obviously, want to continue to keep You want to, like, raise your name. You want to yes, like, have more power to your name. I mean, Major League Wrestling, like, we're going to Chicago in May. And, like, that's mm -hmm. a big deal. Because, like, that's that's awesome to be a part of something that's going to be, like, going back on the road. We just got to do uh, New York City. So, yeah, don't take me saying that as me, like, trying to diminish what MLW is doing. Because the things that they're doing right now, they're bringing in Kojima. And the amazing, like, for those who, like, weren't at the TV tapings, when Hammerstone versus Fatu, the, the third match in the trilogy, the rubber match comes out, watch it. It's incredible. It was an incredible experience to watch live. And it's going to be an incredible experience when you watch it on TV. Major League Wrestling's next major event in January. Isn't it? You're facing Love Correct. Dog? Correct. January 6th, I'll be in a Love is Blind match against that creep, Love Dog. So I will be blindfolded. I have very limited <laughs> uh, archives to look at, but I will be studying them for sure. Anthony Green actually said to watch one of his old uh, blindfold matches for uh, a little bit of strategy against Love Dog. I would watch Triple H versus Eugene the blindfold match. <laughs> there you go. That's like one of the That's five the blindfold matches that they ever did. Well, since Love Dog does a lot of events at um in the New England area, is it easier to wrestle a fellow New Englander than anyone else? Doug and I were under the same trainer. We both train with David. So I mean, <laughs> I had my opinions on him, but it makes it a little bit easier knowing tactics. But you throw on the blindfold, that's a whole different story. Like, I may know Doug, like, the back of my hand, but when you throw that X factor into it, it's going to definitely create a whole new experience, and it's definitely something that I am definitely not used to because I've never been in a blindfold match before. So I'm excited to see the possibilities in which uh, I can attain sweet victory that day. And that event's going to be on Fight Network? Correct. You see, so major, what do, 
Fight, I tell, keep on telling people, get Fight Network, get Fight Network. It's mm -hmm. awesome, and people still look at me like I'm dumb. But <laughs> it's tough to compete so, with the stream nowadays. So, what does make you unique, and how did you come up with the term "sweet victory" or your the phrase "sweet victory"? So, for me, it was. When I changed my name over to BRG and started using my actual name. So for those who don't know, Brett Ryan Gosson is my real name. It's not a gimmick or anything like that. That's, that's my actual name. Um, when it comes to that, I was like, oh, you know, like be like Notorious B-I-G and do Notorious BRG. And then like my trainer was like, mm, you're not, you're not Notorious yet. So like, what makes you Notorious? I was like, okay, yeah, you got a point. And I was talking to another wrestler and he was like, well, why not Victorious? It's like, okay, Victorious I can work with. So I started playing around. So the first came the name. And then I remember watching a clip from an old SpongeBob episode, the Bubble Bowl episode, uh, Band Geeks, and Sweet Victory was playing. Uh, the song that they play at the end of that episode. I was like, this would be a great theme song. And then I was like, wait a minute, at the end of the day, every single wrestler wants to win. So why not just make Sweet Victory my catchphrase, my go-home line, or each in every single one of my promos? And then I was playing around with this, with uh, the, for those who can't see, the, uh, the two sweet. And then all I did was just form my fingers and make a two sweet sign, but with a V for Sweet Victory. So it just kind of all gradually came along after a bit. Uh, the recent stuff that I've been doing where I dress up as Ryan Gosling's Ken, that was, uh, yeah, that was, it was originally supposed to be a Halloween costume. And then everyone told me that they just loved the look. So I just stuck with it. And I had Barbie gear in two weeks. Nice. Nice. And what do you think about John Cena's uh, appearance in that Barbie movie? Oh, I popped huge. <laughs> I was like, it was the one thing that I loved the most about the movie. My girlfriend was like, what the, what the hell are you excited about? I was like, it's John Cena. What do you mean? <laughs> and what do you think about that now that people know that John Cena for movies, now that then they don't know that he was did cool stuff in WWE? I just roll my eyes. <laughs> How could you not know that John Cena was a famous wrestler? Like, he was the guy throughout the entire through uh 2000s throughout most of the 2010s like come on people like you can't be that naive like even i knew who john cena was and before i was even a wrestling fan because like the same people do that with the rock too like they know him like from all the disney movies and moana and all that the rock is a different story i'm sure. not gonna lie to you um when it came to the rock i was playing uh the 2000 uh smackdown versus raw 2011 game with my friends i just gotten into wrestling at that point and i was like dwayne johnson's in this he's they're like yeah he started as a wrestler i was like oh no way that's cool because <laughs> i saw my the first time i ever saw the rock was in the game plan that disney movie from like back in like the early 2000s yeah i remember Oh, yeah, I remember that movie now. That bulldog ruled. Like, come on. <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking about Two Fairy, but I now remember the game plan. 
as before. So what events do you have coming up besides the uh, January 6th one? So the day before that, I have Pro Wrestling Super Show in Brockton, Massachusetts. That will be January 5th. And then January 12th is going to be another Let's Wrestle title defense uh, in Fairfield, Maine in a steel cage match against Maine's uh, Maine's mutant mastodon, Eric Johnson. He is a local legend in the state of Maine. He's actually the guy that gave me my start in the state of Maine with a little company called IWE back in the day. And he's trying to take my championship away from me. It's going to be the first time that I am going to compete in a steel cage match. So a lot of firsts are coming my way. And it's wild to say that I'm having a lot of my first like scenarios in wrestling when I've been wrestling for eight years now. It's kind of cool that there's still so much to do in wrestling. And I feel like I've only scratched the surface of it. It's not going to become a regular routine with hometown guys beat you, is it? Because no. you lost it one time, you lost that time to one hometown guy. Now you're facing another hometown guy. It's like, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: I've set my, I have set my own legend in the state of Maine now. So I mean, you know, he can be a legend of the past, but I'm going to be the modern day legend. So where can people find you on social media? Victorious underscore brg. That's all you need to know for Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever you fancy. The hell, Threads. You got that? Is that still a thing? I don't know anymore. But yeah, yeah, you can find me. All you have to do is uh, I keep everything basic. Victorious underscore BRG. What about merch? If someone's looking for merch, come to me at a merch table. Got to meet me in person. Fair enough. Or if you want to message me on any of those social media platforms, we can work out me shipping one out to you. Tyler, you have any final questions or thoughts? Uh, it was great meeting you, man. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'll get to see you one day at uh, during Mania Week or in person one day, or maybe at that merch table. Hey, who knows? But hey, it was a pleasure meeting you as well. I appreciate all the questions you had. Right. It was great meeting you, man. I'll definitely check you out. It just after the holidays, and after the holidays is my daughter's birthday, and right after my daughter's birthday is my son's birthday. After all that BS. I'm definitely gonna catch one of your shows and take you up on the free shirt. Excellent. Glad to hear. I'll take your free t-shirt too. Yeah, Thanks. just let me know when you guys are coming down and I will have one ready for you. All right. All right. I cool stuff. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us and thank you for everyone who listened. This is KTB Media Podcasts.